part of that conversation is your legacy. And when clients hear that from their financial planner, they recognize that it's not all about the money. It's all about what their principles, values, and goals were uh, throughout their life. That's their legacy. That's what they want to bring together. I'm Ian Harvey from New York City, and you're listening to You're a Financial Planner, Now What? The podcast to help you fast track your career by bringing you meaningful conversations on topics that influence new financial planners, their careers, and the lives of their clients. John Hayes, Senior Vice President of Charitable Estate Planning for the American Heart Association, is on today's episode talking about, you guessed it, planned charitable giving. John has worked in the charitable giving space for nearly 30 years, and he offers much insight for planners who want to support clients and charities through giving. Up next, we'll talk about changing trends in charitable giving, the role financial advisors play in their clients' giving, and how planners, clients, and charities can work together to make giving easier. I'm excited to be interviewing John Hayes today, who is the Senior Vice President of Charitable Estate Planning at the American Heart Association. This whole idea of charitable giving is such a fascinating, fascinating idea. And, you know, before I met you, John, I wouldn't have thought of, you know, a role within American Heart Association. So I'm curious, can you tell me more of what it is that you do? And then what, how did you get to this place within uh, the American Heart Association? A little bit more of your story. So it's kind of a weird one, uh, I think, in many respects, because uh, I've often, it, it, I've only ever heard this happen once in my life, and it was from my son, who's now he's a senior in uh, university, and is how do I become a plan giving director, a travel estate planning director? No one has ever asked me that. You know, you don't go to college saying I want to be a plan giving director. Uh, what's 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 the curriculum for that? It just doesn't happen. So mine was kind of a weird way in that I was going through uh, business finance, uh, and was my major, and. I came, came out of there and uh, was walking home one day from school, and I remember my um, my f- friend at the time was um, was working for the Salvation Army, and so I stopped in to see what he was up to, and he told me at that point that they were looking for a playing giving director, and I said, "What in the blazes is a playing giving director when it's a, when it's at home?" And uh, he he sent me down the down the hall to talk to the business manager. Lo and behold, next thing I knew, I was a very young uh, plan giving director with no idea what was going on or what, what what to do. In fact, to this day, my parents still live back home in Ireland, in Eng- England and Ireland. And my dad shakes his head when I tell him, um, he, he, even now he says, uh, when I'm on the phone with, with family, whatever, John, t- t- tell, tell them what you do for a living. Tell them what you do for a living because he gets a good laugh at it, out of it. And that is, you know, Literally, uh, in America, the, the the giving and philanthropy is so ingrained in the DNA of American culture that I, in its essence, just help people give their money away to chari- to the charity and mission of their choice. That's literally how I do it, but in a very tax-efficient uh, process. So I started off with the Salvation Army. I was there uh, over the, with them doing plan giving about 14 years, and in 2004, came over to the American Heart Association on the West Coast. I'm out here in California area and uh, did plan giving there, uh, did, have been doing plan giving there. And in 2010, was blessed with the opportunity to take over the entire program for across the country. And so we have uh, with us now in our whole department, it's called Mission Advancement Department, we have about 120, 130 um, major gift type officers, playing uh, directors around the country who help uh, donors, um, volunteers, board members focus their philanthropy on mission-aligned um, um, projects within the American Heart Association. And within that 120, 130, there's 15 of us, 14, 15 of us who specialize in charitable estate planning. 
And um, and then we really, our jobs now has evolved to where we used to be the frontline person really working hands-on with a lot of donors. Now we work with a lot of staff and a lot of uh, volunteers to kind of support, leverage, collaborate what it is they're doing, uh, financial planners, wealth advisors, tax attorneys, and so forth, what it is they're doing um, uh, with their clients and with their with their, with their their philanthropy. So that's how, our, how I came to about to doing this. And I've, so I've been at this now in this role as the SVP since 2010. So nine years? Yeah, about nine years. The scope of this is just crazy to me. And you said 100 to 20 to 130 offices, like not just people, like offices that have staff. Oh, no, sorry. Office, 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 officers, not oh, officers. Okay. Um, yeah, yeah, 120, 130 offices. But we do have a good number of uh, offices, American Heart Association offices around the country. I don't know what that number is, but it's it's up there. Tell me more. So when you when you hear like charitable giving within the context of American Heart Association, like what are the different departments or areas? So within Mission Advancement of the 120, 130 plus um, officers around the around the country, we're broken up into four divisions within the Department of Mission Advancement, and uh, um, within so the four divisions are uh, the Foundation Relationship Team. They're about the same size of us uh, as us, twelve to fifteen staff. Then we have the Corporate Relations Team who focus specifically on corporations uh, who want to partner with the American Heart Association, brand to brand type of thing. Uh, again, similar similar size. And then then there's us, the Ch- Child Estate Planning Division, um, who focus specifically on deferred giving, uh, which is planned giving, whereas all the other divisions really focus on outright type of giving. And then the biggest uh, division within Mission Advancement Department is the major gifts team. And I would say they're about 55, 60 plus in that uh, uh, department, uh, excuse me, division around the country. So those four four divisions report up under uh, Mission Advancement. You know, we talk about charitable giving and I talk with a lot of, you know, new planners and they have, there's definitely an interest in charitable giving and that philanthropy, you know, the the, you know, the philanthropy side of, of financial planning. And so when I hear them, it's often, you know, they're going to get a designation. But when I hear you talk, I mean, there's a whole career just on the charitable giving side. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. In fact, you know, I would encourage anyone who's in that it's, it's in that field, in that financial planning field, if they're looking for something of that nature and, you know, once again, you know, Maslow's hierarchy of needs or whatever, once you get to that point where you've built out your career or you're looking for something new to be more altruistic, um, this is a great, great avenue to really uh, be, be fulfilled that way. Um, within the scope of, of, of financial planning, uh, or excuse me, charitable, charitable planning over the years, we've we've hired, I can't even tell you how many people I've hired who have been attorneys. We call them, uh, they themselves call themselves recovering attorneys because they, they, you know, they work by the hour, work by the clock and so forth. And then they come over to this field and it's such um, um, a wonderful release, if you will, to show, to be able to not work the clock, but to really work with what it is that they were truly wanted to do. And that was just work with people and help people around either their finances, their estate planning, their planning in general. And so that has been a, a real uh, eye-opener for me over the past years of how many, when we have an opening and we put it out there, how many attorneys um, would uh, uh, sign up for, for, for an interview for something like that. So my, my focus, my goal going forward is I want as many CFPs going for, uh, to, be, to be part of that process. On our team right now, we have 
gosh, three, four attorneys, two or three financial planners with the CFP date designation. A lot of them now are going for the what's called the CAP Chatwell Advisor in Philanthropy designation. That's a good one. Um, so there's definitely all kinds of avenues of how to how to how to get there. But I, it's one of those things where once you get into it. Um, it's such a fulfilling profession because it engages both sides of your personality. If you're a people person or if you're really very um, uh, uh, technically oriented and you like to work with different types of, of scenarios, give, giving vehicles, that engages that side of your brain too. So it really is um, uh, a great way to connect your your passions, your uh, vision of what it is for your life, for what a lot of people want to do and, want, and need. There's a great need for a lot of those types of uh, financial planners in our field right now. I think a lot of charities um, are going to be vying for a lot of people with their CFP designation in the future, my personal opinion. And so is that a trend that you've been seeing? I mean, has it always been the case of these large charitable? Yeah. Tell me more about that. No, in fact, that's part of it is that um, one of the things that we have realized over these past uh, few years, I would definitely say five plus years, but um, we used to uh, work exclusively with uh, mostly uh, estate planning attorneys and CPAs. We used to call them the gatekeepers to to a lot of the, the donors and clients that they worked with. So we worked a lot, a lot of, spent a lot of time with, with those types of folks. What we've realized over the past five plus years is that they are no longer the gatekeepers. Uh, they are the, you know, the tacticians, if you will. And the gatekeepers, that hub and the wheel, are the financial planners. And so we have uh, devised a program uh, over the past two years called a Professional Advisor Network. We're bringing that online where we can really engage with financial planners um, uh, in their field as to what their needs are to bring online um, a support and a program effort to support their clients really focused on financial planners as opposed to where it was focused on estate planning attorneys. So what we've done is we provide assistance nationwide with our team. Like I, I mentioned earlier, we have key planning tools and resources for both you and your clients, including sample and personalized illustrations. And we break that down even on two levels, which we never did before, which now we've done. And that is very one, per, one illustration can be very technical in nature for the, for the financial planner. So we can fully understand the giving vehicle and one's really broken down into more of a graphic type of scenario for the client so that they can work with their clients um, on what it is they're trying to explain to them as far as their child will giving. And then we've, we've devised turnkey programs that make gift giving of non-cash assets very simple, very proud of our real estate program that we've uh, brought online the past uh, several years. And we, uh, we created our very own uh, American Heart Association donor advised fund program. We talked about that earlier and that's been, we wanted to respond to the market rather than react to it. And that market, that that giving vehicle alone has just exploded in growth over the past several years. So we saw that as an opportunity to provide not only ease and access for charitable giving for donors, but also for financial planners, uh, because we really built out that program with financial planners in mind. Also, key part of that is that we have, a, a, which is not, I wouldn't say unique to us, but it, 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 it's, it's up there. And that is, it is a, uh, it's an open platform. So a lot of donors who, who have had the same financial 
financial advisor. They've built that relationship for five, seven, 10 years plus. That advisor can work with them on their donor advice fund on our platform so that it's all managed through that financial advisor rather than, you know, having a separate account at some other uh, entity. And then the, the last thing we, we, we do within our professional advisor network is uh, provide, you know, the latest tax and legislative news that's happening in charitable giving, which, you know, as they say, when Congress meets the tax, the tax law changes, you never know what's going to happen. So we keep up to date with that and we send that out. We push that out as far as alert emails and so forth around the country to, to those who are a part of our network. So that is, that, that's the biggest change that we have seen over the past um, several years is that we have definitely seen a need for a financial planning advisor network where they can come and get a comprehensive view, not only on the technical side of things, but also on the relationship side of things uh, when it comes to working with charities. There's a lot to dive into there. So we're going to get into all these, all these pieces here, but I'm curious, like you've kind of hinted at it with your answer there, but how have you seen charitable giving change over time? Like, you know, you, with the different tax laws in our place, how, how are you seeing that landscape shift? Yeah. Um, well, I'll tell you the biggest change, you know, you're, you're familiar with the business term. Um, everything's disruptive. You know, you've got to be disruptive in this, this uh, day and age. If, you, if you're not disruptive, you're not doing, you're not doing anything. Um, and what we have found, and you know, and it could be good, it could be bad, but definitely it, it definitely causes a reaction and definitely a chain reaction. And I would say to specifically to answer your question, Things started to change uh, the mid 2000, 2005, 2006. I started to see things changing on the landscape of philanthropy. Um, this is when donor advice funds, this is the disruption I'm talking about, um, started to really come online. They've been around for 20 plus years, um, but they really started to come online and gain traction uh, then. But things really started to disrupt um, after the, the recession, 2008, 2009. Um, and big that, and with that, we saw a lot of uh, donors um, really look to their financial planners for guidance. Um, one of the key things that has been key trends is that, and we've we've been taught this, you know, for years, decades, even in the uh, charitable uh, planning arena, especially the deferred planning giving arena, that the majority of of, of donors um, they do these types of planned gifts, deferred gifts, charitable planning, charitable gifts for tax purposes, for, for tax purposes. They do not do it for tax purposes. Excuse me. They do not do it for tax purposes. That's like second or third. Well, that that's part of what the disruption is with the a donor advised fund is that the nine times out of 10, uh, a lot of donors we have found through uh, surveys and research, they do it specifically for a tax situation first and foremost. So it kind of flips it on its head. And and the reason for that is, is that because they're so, you know, they they encounter some type of tax situation, either it be a bonus or a small business that is going through a situation where they're, they're liquidating it or something of that nature. And they have this huge tax consequence. How do I do it? Whereas before they would have two choices. They did, okay, I've got a tax consequence. What do I do? And then it, the only thing I can do is some type of charitable planning. Who do I give it to? So two big um, conversations and thought process need to happen, but with the donor advice fund, uh, you just take care of the one. They're very, they're very simple. They're very easy. They're very easy to 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 make happen, um, and you get the, all of those tax write offs right away. And then, as you grow into your 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 fund, you get to choose where you get that giving to go, 
where you want that to giving to go to, where you want those grants to go to. So you have that time to do that. And then definitely uh, past this past, um, was it 2000, December, November 2017, with the tax law changes there, um, things started to disrupt again. What's happened now in the industry, philanthropic industry, is that the uh, larger gifts are coming in because that's where the tax uh, consequences is in a positive nature to the donor and clients are, are, are excuse me, uh, financial planners are, are uh, um, uh, seeing that as well. Yeah. I mean, I can tell you my personal practice. I mean, I'm having a lot more conversations about donor advice funds of, you know, can we front load a bunch of your giving, get the bigger, you know, right off right now. And then you can make a lot of these decisions later. Yeah. I think it's called so, bunching or something. The, the strategy. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, they're not getting the normal benefits throughout mm-hmm. the yeah, year. Exactly. So, you know, when you look at it from, you know, your job is to get donors and, and get donations for American Heart Association. Has that driven the like the age of who you're working with down? I mean, to more income earners instead of just, you know, at their death? When you look at the scope of uh, philanthropy, even your own life had, I mean, my life as well. When you get to a certain age you or certain life situations happen, you start thinking differently. You know, uh, when you get married, you start, you're, di- you're a different thinker or, or whatever than you were when you were single. Same with when you have children or when you have grandchildren, these life circumstances happen. And so we've always really kind of worked with, um, in the deferred plan giving arena, uh, work with donors who are probably 50 plus. Uh, because that's it, it, the studies uh, have shown that that's when they're really thinking about not end of life, if you will, because that's kind of a negative thing, but more legacy type of a scenario. You know, where am I? Where are my kids? Where am I going? What's it about? You know, like we were saying, you know, that midlife situation, you know, situation where this is how I was. Where do I want to? Where do I want to see fulfillment for the rest of? Mess of, my, mess of my career and so forth. So we found, and it's still, and it's becoming even more so today, that a lot of double income uh, families are having those types of uh, conversations still. But we are seeing now with the on the um, uh, onslaught of baby boomers. What is this? Something crazy. Fifteen thousand baby boomers are retiring or turning sixty-five or even seventy every day now for the next 10, 12 years or something like that. So we've really focused on age fifty plus. But now with my team, we definitely focus on those uh, donors who are in their uh, 55, 60, 60, 65 plus. Within our own world, we have over 4 million donors, active donors, who are, um, and by active, I mean that contribute each year, who are age 65 plus. That's a phenomenal number to be working with. And you've only got, you know, 15 people on your team working with them. You know, we need as much help as we can get. You know, so it's interesting, like you, you talk about how you worked with a lot of financial planners and having these conversations with the clients um, and more of you know that legacy piece. But I'm curious, how do you position this conversation of charitable giving? Like, is this something that advisors are bringing to the table or clients bringing to the table or kind of what have you seen as you've been coaching financial planners and in, in having these conversations? Yeah, that's a great question. I love that question because it, you, you would think it would be an easy conversation to have, but it really isn't because when people start people start thinking of that nature, uh, they start thinking of you know, death and taxes and they just don't, you know, who wants to have that conversation? Then no one wants to have that conversation. So um, what they, what they seem to, what they, we found that is the most appropriate way to, to speak to clients um, is around legacy planning. You know, what is it that you're hoping to achieve in the future? Um, and, um, and, and so we, we, we definitely uh, have that conversation around that, that topic. It's interesting. So looking at, you know, new planners as they're coming into into financial planning, one of the one of the common things that I hear is, you know, how do we relate to somebody who's, you know, in their fifties or sixties, you know, we're not there. Can younger planners still have these conversations with their clients? 
Oh, absolutely. 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 You know, it's, it's, it's interesting in that because what, at the end of the day, um, you know, what we all want to achieve, uh, besides putting, you know, um, food on the table is, um, we want to add value, right? We want to have a, a meaning. And that's what I love about the financial planning world. And especially those who have, you know, the certification in, uh, excuse me, uh, certif certified financial planners, CFPs, and, and those in the charitable planning arena as well, is that they want to have value at the end of the day. And when you talk, when you speak to a client about their full um, um, life, just having a life conversation, you know, what are your hopes and dreams? Where do you want to go? Part of that conversation is your legacy. I mean, it's just a natural part of that conversation. And when clients hear that from their financial planner, um, they recognize that it's not all about the money. It's all about what their principles, values, and goals were uh, throughout their life. That's their legacy. That's what they want to, to bring together. And so when you have those types of conversations, it's a natural way to come to bring up. The simplest way is that, do you have any uh, charitable inclinations? Do you have any philanthropy? And if they say yes, and then the next question I love to ask is, uh, tell me about your most, your favorite experience uh, that you, when you gave a gift, and then you can just see people light up with that. And that's where that's, the, you know, the juices get going and you can have a great conversation around that. So if you're, if you're young into, into the, into the arena next gen or something of that nature, those are excellent conversations because they always be, that you start with the end in mind as a Stephen Covey principle, if you will, uh, back in the, the seven habits is that you begin with the end in mind and people in their fifties and sixties, they're thinking that way. And so when they have, when they're sitting down and they're being, having an active, engaging conversation, a listening conversation with their financial planner, that speaks volumes to them because it's all about them and not about their assets because the assets is just a, a one piece of the puzzle. Well, and I love it too. You just said it's it's all about them and it's all about them and not our mm -hmm. age <laughs> or whatever that may be. Mm -hmm. Yep, exactly. That's great. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start incorporating that question, I think, with my clients. <laughs> my goodness, that was really good. So, you know, one of the topics, you know, that I hear often is, you know, these, these millennials, us millennials, um, as being more or less charitable than, than older generations. Totally I'm curious what your thoughts are disagree. on that. Don't, no, no, absolutely disagree with that. Um, and I'm very passionate about it. Um, I don't, and I don't know if it's because I have two millennials myself. Uh, actually, no, one of them, he's a Gen Z or something like that, the, the, the 20 year old. I don't know what they are now, but, but um, no, I totally, you know, this, this, it's the same thing that I used to hear about the baby boomers, you know? We used to say the baby, say that about the baby boomers all the time, and they're becoming one of the most generous uh, uh, generations ever in America. Um, I don't know if that's because they have so much more money than they ever had before, but, but I, I don't know if, it, if, if it's, if that's a part of it, but I will tell you this: that uh, baby boomers are becoming are are very very generous, and I see millennials. Well, that's the difference between millennials that I've seen that I've worked with, um, and and then my own two boys myself. They're they're in their twenties, um, and their friends and so forth. And what I've seen in baby boomers in my generation, I'm a Gen Xer. I just want to throw that out there. Hey, yay for the Gen Xers! Is uh, they they're very engaged in their giving. That's the that's the trick. That's the disruption piece that a lot of charities kind of struggle with, which is really excellent as far as as far as we're concerned with the American Heart Association, because we're all about uh, being engaged with with volunteers. And a lot of um, uh, millennials, they want to know what they're giving to, what what it's doing, where it's going. And um, that that engagement, uh, if you've got that kind of engagement, you know, it's the horse and cart uh, scenario, the treasure just follows that. So I I'm predicting, I 
I would think one, I've seen it. I've seen it everywhere I go because I've spoken at some universities as well, and they're highly engaged. They want to have an impact. Um, I see that as being a very, very uh, philanthropic generation in, into the future. So hearing you say all that, I know a lot, you know, one of the big questions that our generation is having to face is how do we help do financial planning and serve our generation within financial planning? So I'm curious, hearing what you're saying about these millennials and how they want to be engaged givers, how would how would you advise financial planners as they're working with millennials, maybe versus you know how they work with boomers? Like what would be the differences that you might recommend? What are they passionate about? Um, that's the one of the questions I would have uh, uh, millennials is like, what is what are they passionate about? And you know, nine times out of ten, when I've spoken with millennials about those those types of questions, uh, they are quick to jump on that um, uh, because they are very passionate about you know a lot of a lot you know a lot is happening in our world today, right? So there are a lot of the you can you can name the top two or three or four things that they're passionate about. But they're also very what I have found is and what we have found. I, I, um, not just myself, but in my staff that when we have these conversations, but they're, they're very community focused, which is really fascinating to me because um, when when you look at the world that we're in of social media and how it's very global and everything's global, global this and global that, uh, globalization and so forth, they're very community focused. They want to have an impact in, in their community. So like they're starting there like pebbles in the pond and it, and it ripples out. I find that just fascinating and excellent and which really prompts me to have those next level conversations with either financial planners or the the millennials that we speak with is that where where is your family in this type of scenario and they always they they always give me that that the, the, the cockeyed look is like, what do you mean by that? So where, where did you get this? Where'd you get this community focus from? And they think back and they think back to either their mom did something or their dad did something or their grandparents did something. So that's one of the things that we try to focus on as well with financial planners is that let's bring the family involved in this whole philanthropic conversation too. That's another reason why donor advised funds, I hate to keep harping on them, but they're such an amazing giving vehicle uh, that you can bring the family into that. We have one donor that every Thanksgiving, he has a significant donor advice fund and um after the i think it's the friday the black friday whatever that's called that they call it these days they get together for brunch and they discuss as a family where they want their giving out of their donor advice fund to go each year and and the grandkids now they started out with the kids the grandkids now come come and they bring their one page proposals it's hilarious with crayons or whatever about who they want their 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 donation to go to as a family and it's just wonderful to hear things of that nature to bring that family together. It's a real family uh, philanthropy, and and I think it's fantastic. It's that next generation, and that's part of being a financial planner. You want to help that client out, but where are they going? It's Again, it's part of that bigger picture. We've got to keep that in mind, keep going to that bigger picture, because um, it's again, it's all about them and what they want to see happen. It's good stuff. Man, talk about a legacy too of, you know, what are those kids? I always ask my clients, you know, what is, what is a memory, you know, ask them about their money memories. And I'm just imagining what those kids are going to say someday of like, you know, here, here was something, you know, impactful in my life. Yep. Yep. We had one, a quick story. We had one, um, he was saying that, um, they went out to, um, brunch for a Denny's, you know, of all places, Denny's. And the, 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 the grandkid was like six or seven years old and he requested, the um the server to box up his pancakes 
seven years old, box up his pancakes because there was a homeless person outside and he wanted him and his dad to go out and give this, give them, uh, give this guy some, some pancakes. And then that next, so this was like back on July, something like that, that, that following November, when they sat down and had that conversation, um, he spoke up and it all went to the homeless shelter there in the, the little community. You know what I'm saying? That is fantastic stuff. I love that stuff. Oh, that's so, so cool. These are all ideas that everybody can buy into of, you know, wanting to help clients and, and really helping them to, to do these types of things. And so I'm curious, you know, we talked a little bit about this, about this earlier, um, about this professional advisor network. Mm-hmm. And so if a client comes to a meeting and is really interested in, in, in giving to charity, you have, you are a resource that I could turn to um, and, and to help have those conversations. Is that right? Yes. In fact, I mean, we spoke, we touched on those earlier. We, we built out our professional advisor network specifically around financial planners and wealth advisors around the country. And we're trying to make it as comprehensive as possible for what their needs are. In fact, if uh, just real quick, a quick bullet is that if you, if they went to www.heart.org slash FPA clients, you would be able to just sign on and see the plethora of different resources we have uh, available for specifically for financial planners for not only themselves, but for their clients. But real quick, you know, the, the top five that come to mind is that, you know, we have a team across the country who are ready, willing, and able to come alongside and teach and coach and participate in those client conversations. You know, real quick on that, part of the part of the struggle is, is that the people, a lot of times people think that's the easiest thing in the world. Well, we'll just put a will together and just name the American Heart Association in there for 5% and so forth. That's part of what our my staff do as well is come alongside and share. The simplest little thing um, can cause a reaction, and so we want to get that right from the beginning. Again, beginning with the end in mind. So we have a team of professionals who do that. We have tremendous tools and resources for not only the uh, the professional but also for the client, and we speak to them at their level of what they want. You know, the engineers of the world they want the fifteen pages of you know what does a, a charitable gift annuity do, and how is it funded, and what is a charitable trust, and so forth. We can provide all of, all of those things. And then we have those turnkey programs. Uh, two of the things that I'm most proud of over the past couple of years is our real estate program. We have, um, I can tell you, so from 2004, as I said earlier, to 2010 when I took over uh, as the senior person for the plan giving program, we had a total of five real estate conversations. Those are donors who, who um, wanted to give some type of real estate uh, to charity. Five, five, five either gifts or, or, or conversations that were, that were listed in our database, five. From... I saw that as an opportunity because when you look at an overall portfolio of, of, of a donor or a client, really it comes down to two or three things. Either they have a stock portfolio, uh, a, a, a funded IRA, or real estate, the home, uh, family home, uh, a condo, or some type of a vacation home or something of that nature. Those are the, two, those are the t- top three that are usually in a portfolio. And the most that's untapped is the real estate piece. And so we created a real estate uh, program that – Back in the day, I keep saying that. Back in the day, uh, when you started talking to a client about or donor about a uh, doing a real estate gift, it could take anywhere from day one, from day one to six months to nine months to make that gift happen, if it ever happened, because it's so fraught with different uh, uh, scenarios of what could go wrong. Our program from the from the day one to closing. Uh, most cases will be done in 30 days. That is unheard of in in the industry, and we're very very proud of that program. And the other thing too about that for 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 
professionals is that these are assets that are uh, that they're they're not being used. They're just sitting there like a vacation home, and they're just paying all these fees on it. And so we liquidate that, put that in the into the donor advice fund for the donor. And so there's everyone is happy with that type of scenario. So that's a, another great resource we do. And then we have uh, an advisor referral program that we definitely utilize. So a couple of quick things. You can't even hardly close on a house in 30 days anymore. So that, that's I know, impressive. Right? Exactly. So, but as you were talking, you know, one thing that really st- stood out to me, and, and maybe I'll raise my hand and say, I, maybe I'm guilty of this too. Uh, you know, I have several clients who do want to give to charity and have listed multiple charities in their will. And I've yeah. never reached out to the charity, even just to mm-hmm. let them know. Yep. So is yep. that best practice or kind of, so, yes. so yeah. So if yes. I have a client who wants, you know, puts American Heart Association, like you're saying, like 5% in their will, um, what, from a planning standpoint, like, what does that look like? So I call, I call you up. I'm like, Hey, like my client wants to do this. Then what? Your client wants to, to leave the American Heart Association in their will or, or trust yep. or IRA or something of that nature. Very, very easy. Um, I'll say, thank you very much, Hannah. That's wonderful. Um, I'll ask you, uh, the couple of questions I'll ask them is that, ask you is that, do they want to remain anonymous or do they want to be known? Because we have a, you know, a, a legacy society that we can steward them and thank them. And uh, because, you know, it's important to be thanked, uh, I think. Uh, but many, many donors want to re- re- remain anonymous. And again, that's totally fine. We would uh, provide you with exact wording. We would ask you uh, to for the clients, like, what is it that they're hoping to achieve? So, because you know, hopefully, when they're putting their will and, 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 and trust or whatever together, they're going to live a long and healthy life—10, 15, 20 years. So, meaning, we also very specific questions because. Whatever it is that they're hoping to do today may not be around, right, in 20 years from now. So we want to keep it, the language as general as possible, but also as specific as possible, so that it honors what the donors and clients' wishes are for that for that for that gift. So we we definitely have a conversation around that, and then we give you the wording that we feel that would provide for that to happen, and then the legal address, and then the charitable tax ID number, and then once you've got all of that done, uh, and that honestly is. 10 minute conversation, if that, um, you're good to go. And that would be a best practice, honestly. It should, really should be. Yeah, no, I think that makes a lot of sense. So if they wanted to give, you know, five or 10%, you know, in their will to the American Heart Association, and then are you engaging them then continually outside of that? Or, you know, what does that engagement look like? Yes. So, and again, as part of that, to that first question, do they want to remain anonymous or do they want to be, you know, the, 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 I'm using air quotes, technical term is stewarded, but it's really being engaged is being thanked. And, um, let's say they do, they, uh, let's say the, I can also add two, two scenarios. Let's say they want to remain anonymous. So with that, what we would do then is that we would uh, cultivate and steward you, Hannah, the, the, the professional advisor, so that you would know what's going on. And so if you wanted to relay that information to your clients or clients, um, that's entirely up to you. We found that that has happened quite a bit, that they want to remain anonymous. They want to have that that uh, that uh, that professional uh, in between them and the charity. And so we give them the information that they're interested in, and then, then they pound they pass it on. We also have a many donors, and this does happen um, more times than not, because that's one of the benefits of a donor advice fund, they tell you, is that you can remain anonymous. And uh, some folks do, but most do not. They want to be They want to be known. They want to be engaged. They want to have that impact. And so what we do then is that we have, a, in our legacy society, we definitely engage them. And here's the critical p- part, on their level. And what I mean by that is, how do they want to be engaged? Because the worst case scenario is what? 
what that you hear many times over is that, okay, now you're going to get 50,000 emails in any given week from the charity. You're going to get 20,000, you know, direct mail pieces in your mailbox. You know, these horrific stories. You get a, a, you know, phone calls at dinner time and all this kind of stuff. We, we don't do any of that anymore. You know, with, with the way technology is today, it can be very, very customized to what it is the donor wants, uh, how they want to be engaged. So that can be anywhere from that. Uh, what are the email alerts that are new and breaking in the uh, cardiovascular disease world, um, either weekly or monthly? There's newsletters that we can connect with them. A lot of people still like to receive those and, you know, touch and feel of what's going on with our legacy side new- newsletters. Um, there is engagement opportunities that we are part, part of within most communities around the country, whether it be a volunteer opportunity or, or, or some type of engagement with our you know, hard work program, the gala programs, all these different types of scenarios happen around the country. So there's it's a whole plethora of how that person wants to be tailored in their engagement for uh, for their charitable giving. Well, and it's such, it seems like it's very much enhancing that client experience, you know, and, and, and enhancing, um, you know, the value that we can provide as financial planners. Because, I mean, I have several clients um, and I have no idea what their involvement with some of these organizations is outside, yeah. much less that the organization even knows if they're listed in their will. You know, that's interesting, right? Because when you, as you develop these, because um, you're, the number one thing that you do and the number one thing that we do uh, is it, it, a shared responsibility, and that is we build relationships, right? You you cannot operate in a vacuum when, it, when you're building out a financial plan. Well, I mean, you could. I mean, you could, right? But it's not very impactful. And to, to your point, that whole client experience, you can only you can only limit what you can do with them, with, with what, what their needs are. So we have found that in both our worlds, whether you're in the financial planning world or in the plan giving deferred world of American Heart Association. We're all about building relationships. And so we really take our time working with the donors about what it is they want. We call it donor-centric. You probably call it client-centric. It's the same thing. And that is, okay, what is it that you want to achieve? If you just want to you know, give a, you know, a quick $5,000, $10,000, $100,000 to the charity of your choice for a tax purpose, fine, That's we can do that. Uh, and of course, we'll take that. But many times as we work with donors, uh, it just never ceases to amaze me how much information they want to share with you because they want to have a full impact. And so you, as, you, as, you get, as you gain that trust and you build that relationship, that can go on for years. I've, we have many uh, advisors around the country who go to birthday parties, graduations, uh, New Year's Eve parties with donors uh, at their houses and so forth because it's part of that relationship. You get to know them and what their needs are and what their wants are. And it's, it's, it's very, very fulfilling and, and quite fun. Well, it's just so neat. You talk about financial planners and and really using charities as as you know a professional partner. Like that, that's really exciting. That's, yeah, that's exactly right. And that's what we really, when we look at our professional advisor network, that is our number one principle: is how do we partner with financial planners across the country? And and that that is truly what it means because it's not about you know I'll give you this, you give me that, and so forth. Or we just we're just out here just trying to get as many donations as possible. We know that in the long run, that um, when you build that partnership, when you build that relationship, that is worth so much more than any of those gifts can come into to to the charity for the American Heart Association because it 
it provides so much leverage and partnership for all things. And like I said, to that to that family philanthropy and so forth. So we focus from that perspective, especially with uh, when it comes to financial planners. We come alongside, as I like to call it, come alongside and partner with them as much as they want or as little as they want. It's very tailored for what their needs are so that we can help them uh, in that charitable aspect planning uh, arena. Because there's a lot to this, as you know, there's a lot to this financial planning field and you can't know everything and be everything to everyone. You have to have partners. You have to have uh, friends, colleagues, if you will, who can work with you and you can build that relationship and, and trust them with your clients. That takes that takes a, a lot of work, uh, but it's very, very worthwhile. So one of the pieces that you had mentioned um, was the advisor referral program. So can you talk just a bit about that as well? So the advisor referral program is uh, something that we are bringing online more and more as, as, as we build it out. And that is, we like to come out, so like with you, you and I, I would come out to visit with you and spend, you know, anywhere from 15 to 20 minutes, just like we're doing today, getting to know each other, getting to know your practice, um, getting to know your philosophy. It's a, a very important, your values and principles and how you uh, go about working with your clients to see if we can partner with each other. Because many times, as I mentioned earlier, we have those, you know, a, a massive database of donors who are engaged, uh, active, actively giving over the age of 60, 65 years old. Um, it's never, again, never ceases to amaze me. It still happens to this day where you'll sit down with a donor who is, they, they have no idea. We call it, uh, what's that book? Um, what's that book called? Millionaire Next Door. Millionaire Next Door. There you go. Millionaire Next Door. Big hat, no cattle. That's right. Um, that they have no idea how much they're really worth. Um, even if, even if you're in the, in the late fifties, late fifties or mid fifties, they're getting into the, you know, they're just really working hard and, and again, they're thinking about retirement and so forth, but they don't know really how much they're worth. Same thing with, with the donors that we work with is 65, 70 plus. They don't really know how much they're worth, they're worth. And we sit down with them and we tell, we look at them and say, okay, you are, you are a millionaire. And they go, they just can't believe, what do you mean I'm a millionaire? Well, you're now worth 3.2, 3.4, 3, you know, whatever, $4 million when you're total, totally all in. And they they have no idea, one. And then two, they have no financial planner. They have no CPA. They have no attorney. They have no estate plan. It, it happens so many times uh, at that kitchen table. I can't tell you how many times I've had, heard that statement. So that's part of what we do with the advisor network is that, okay, would you, you know, we work with several people in the Dallas area. We work with several people in the financial uh, arena, in the Sacramento area, wherever, Chicago area. Would you uh, be interested if I provided you with some of the folks that we've met with and worked with over the past several years um, that you can connect with? Because you need to have someone help you with this. And that's when we, that's part of our advisor network is that we provide them with names um, of people that we've worked with who trust a part of our network who helps them and, and brings their their plans together. That's a big piece of it. That's really exciting, and it's you know it's just crazy to me that people get to that point where oh, they don't realize they're not, and, and then they've never you know thought of maybe that maybe they have thought about it, but they're not working with a financial planner. No, working with a financial. I tell you what's even crazier than that, Anna, is that they're talking to they're telling me. I mean, who am I? I mean, why you shouldn't be telling me this kind of stuff? <laughs> but they do, they do because of that trust factor, and it's that brand, and that's why we hold our. Um, you know, when you come into the American Heart Association, that's the one thing we get drilled into our heads and into, and it goes into your heart very much so. And that is our brand is everything. 
integrity is everything, everything, everything. And so when we show up, I may be, I may represent the American Heart Association, but once I cross that threshold, they connect with me, with our advisors, and that trust uh, just starts almost right away. And they start sharing this amazing information that there's a tremendous responsibility with that. And so we want to make sure that when we're partnering with financial advisors, that they are part of that, uh, those values and principles that they hold their integrity in, in, in trust as well. So it's a big deal, and but we're very we've been very very blessed with it, and it's worked very very well for a lot of our donors. You know, the, the one thing I want to ask you more about is this donor advised fund because I know I'm having more of these conversations with my clients, and I've you know I've been researching them, and in full disclosure, I didn't know um, that American Heart Association had a donor advised fund, um, but in with your with your donor advice funds, I mean, are are donors obligated to give to the American Heart Association if they go through through you to set up this donor advice fund? No, 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 no not at all. And so uh, that was part of it. So it. Like like we were talking earlier, is that uh, I really we really wanted to uh, respond to the market to respond. But what I mean by that is respond to the needs of what we were seeing happening with these donor advice funds. And what was happening was that they were just exploding in growth. Um, it's, you know, the number one giving vehicle of what, how people give um, over the past several years now. And it's going to just continue to, to grow into the future. I believe the numbers are staggering. There's $110 billion or something insane, that, that, that kind of number. But they're now, the, the wealth advisors I've been speaking with, they're predicting that that number is going to go to two, $300 billion in the next three to five years. I mean, that's an amazing uh, giving vehicle and growth. And so when we saw this several years ago, we saw that there was a need for our donors who wanted to have a, a, a very flexible, easy to use uh, giving vehicle where they weren't stressed out. And that it's because basically what it is, it's a glorified, you know, a, a charitable giving account, if you will. Uh, and I'll have a good story about that. That happened just this past Christmas and I'll come back to that. But um, so we saw that as a real need. And so our biggest thing, a couple of the big things that we wanted from that is two things. One, we wanted an open platform. And what I mean by that is that whoever wanted to contribute or establish an account with us, that they, if they wanted to use their trusted financial advisor, that they could bring that person online as well, rather than, no, you have to, you have to use one of our advisors from one of our uh, custodian accounts and so forth like that. We, that was not partnership. And so we didn't want that. So that, that took a while to bring that online. So we have that. And then the other thing is too, is that no minimums, meaning um, if you start one of our fund, you're 25%, 50% of that, whatever that fund is, has to come to the American Heart Association. No, because that's not donor centric. And that's part of our philosophy is to be donor centric. And so we have no minimum. So if you create an account for $50,000 and $50,000 of that goes to the local Humane Society, that is completely up, up to you. Now, I would question why you would want one of our our funds within the American Heart Association uh, because it's very mission aligned as opposed to one of the others at, 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 a, at an institution or a bank. But that's, again, that's up to you. And we have we have, we have have donors like that within our fund. And a classic story of that, last Christmas I had a donor call up, very frustrated. And it was like t- December 27th. You know, you love getting those calls as a, as a fundraiser in December 27th. Very frustrated, very, very, very heated. And he gives to 15 charities 
um, every year uh, for the tune of like three thousand uh, dollars per, per charity. And he was saying it, it's impossible to reach someone at your organization. All I want is a tax receipt. I just want a tax receipt. You give me my tax receipt. Give me my tax receipt. And um, and, and so I got what he needed. And it was it, basically what it was is the Christmas rush and madness, and, and he was being passed around and so forth. But the, 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 the beauty about that was, uh, as we talked, I said, have you heard of a donor advice fund? And he said, I don't even know what you're talking about because he's still pretty upset. And I spelled it out for him and so forth. And, and when I said, what that can do for you, let's call him Mr. Smith, is that instead of calling around to all of these charities getting your tax receipt, because he was having this kind of trouble with, with quite a few of them, um, you put it into this donor advice fund and every January, February, you will now get a statement because you will just call them up or do it online, do it on your phone, whatever, and say, I want these this amount of money to go to these 15 charities on this date at this time and you'll get a statement in January or February with all of that spelled out, all of your tax receipts done and so forth. He was blown away. So he, he came online and did, one, did a donor advice fund with us too. So Because it's just so easy and efficient and it, you can do it 24 hours, 24-7. It's great. They're really great. A really great giving vehicle. Have I spoken enough about donor advice funds? Because they're pretty good. <laughs> well, it's such a great planning tool. I mean, it's, yeah. It is. It is. It is for the and for the for the planner as well because they're so efficient. I mean, you can if you were to set one if you had a client come in your office today, you could turn around and have one set up within fifteen twenty minutes. I think I'm being very generous with that time. It's quicker than that. I mean, you can. There's I don't know another giving vehicle you know, that can make that happen like that. But it's that efficient and that effective and easy. Uh, so it's very good for the financial planner themselves, and it's excellent for the donor as well. So, John, as we wrap up, is there anything else that you want to leave the listeners with? You know, I think the number one thing is, is as we, we talked about it earlier, but definitely reach out to that uh, to that website we talked about earlier. I'll give it give it to you again. It's www.heart.org forward slash FPA clients um, and or call our number, which is 888 888- Two two seven five two four two to request joining the professional advisor network. I promise you, you will not uh, re- regret joining that type of network. Um, we have found many, many times over since bringing this online, uh, both only with 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 donors and financial planners, that this has been one of the best uh, business decisions they've made, and. Um, uh, because of the, the the whole client experience just gets elevated to another level when you're working in partnership and collaboration. So definitely reach out to your uh, um, to your to the charities. They are there, ready, willing, uh, and able to help. Especially in the American Heart Association, we have a, a cadre, a team of professionals with the CFP designation and attorneys who really just want to come alongside and partner with uh, financial planners uh, to not only coach them and teach them, but uh, but to uh, aid and assist them in what it is their clients' needs are for building out that legacy. Because at the end of the day, um, it's all about value added. And, uh, and that's what we want to do. We want to be able to lay our head at, down at night and say, you know what? That was a good day today. I did this day with the American Heart Association and this client, and it was good. It was good. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Well, thank you, Hannah, for the invitation. It's been very, very fun. I appreciate it. I've never done a podcast before, so this was a lot of fun for me. Love what you hear on this podcast? Join us in the FPA Activate Facebook community, where you'll find a community of other passionate planners like you. Not only that, but there are live How We Do What We Do sessions focused on what real financial planning looks like in practice. Be sure to join us there to lend your voice, become a better planner, and help grow the financial planning profession.